Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we tackle important questions about journalism ethics and give you a behind the scenes look at our industry and our newsroom. I'm Luis Cruz. Monday marked one year since a young woman said she was gang raped by members of the San Diego State University football team at an off-campus house party. San Diego State has faced criticism for waiting more than seven months to alert the campus community of the incident. Joining us to discuss this case is Union Tribune Public Safety Editor Dana Littlefield, Public Safety Reporter Terry Figueroa, Union Tribune Managing Editor Laura Sicalo, and we begin with editor and publisher Jeff Light. Jeff? Yeah, thank you, Luis. Um, uh, I, I think we should just start uh, at the 30,000-foot level. And uh, Terry Figueroa, you had a story in uh, this weekend's paper that you wrote with uh, Lindsay Winkley about the one-year uh, uh, mark on this pending case. So uh, perhaps we could start just by getting caught up with, well, what is going on with this case? What do we know? What don't we know? What's next? Well, um, it has been a year and, and there's been a lot that's happened and, and a lot of waiting is still happening. Um, what we know is that the case has been turned over from police to the district attorney's office and the DA's office is still reviewing it, seeing you know what they have, what they might still need um, and whether or not they have um, enough evidence to charge anyone beyond a reasonable doubt. What we also did was we talked to the young woman herself and we talked about um, what this last year has been like for her and and what it meant for her for suddenly to be October again. And she said that actually had caught her off guard. She October, she said, is triggering a lot. Um, she she's waiting. She wants to know if there's going to be charges brought and she thought when she brought this forward a year ago that she kept saying to herself um just just think a year from now it'll be over a year from now it'll be over and here we are a year later and she's still waiting we we just simply don't know so it is her trying to move forward she's working full-time she's um looking at going back to to or just starting uh college um in january and uh She's back in therapy again, October. Um, so she's moving forward, but she's also waiting to see what's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. As I guess uh, is the community, a lot of stakeholders here. Um, so uh, uh, Dana Littlefield, you've been the editor on this story from the start. And this weekend uh, at the Festival of Journalism, you moderated a panel that included Terry and uh, uh, her uh, UT colleague, Lindsay Winkley, together with Colleen Shelby and Robert Lopez from the LA Times, the two stories who broke this story a year ago, and Alexander Wynn from uh, KPBS. Um, so maybe share with us like that panel, uh, which was a, a chance for the audience for the story to interact with the journalists and for the journalists to speak uh, to each other, I guess, in a way that doesn't always happen. Um, uh, what was the ground that you covered in that panel? What, what, what did we find out and what did people want to know from, from the journalists? Well, I guess <clears throat> what we tried to do is try to explain to the audience kind of 
from the journalistic side of things, how this story progressed, how the information came to the reporters and subsequently how we pushed it out to the audience um, and sort of the, the you know, the journalistic questions we had to ask at each stage of the game, um, the ethical questions that we had to ask at each stage of the game and what our responsibilities are both to the woman who has uh, reported this incident and to the people accused in this incident. So that's kind of my thumbnail sketch of some of the ground that we covered. Um, I will say from a personal standpoint, it was really gratifying to meet and confer and discuss with the LA Times and what their process was early on and how um, we have been working together and will continue to work together going forward. Um, that was a really, really, um, you know, not to, you know, uh, kind of undermine, you know, the gravity of the subject matter that we're talking about, but it was a really gratifying experience being able to see them face to face, um, talk about how things are going in terms of the reporting and to share that information with our audience. I have to say from a personal standpoint, as a journalist, I really, really did enjoy that, um, that FaceTime that we got. Um, so your question was about kind of the, the, uh, or at least the way I understood it was kind of the structure of the, of the panel itself. Um, so we started with the LA Times reporters, which made sense. They were the ones who broke this story. Uh, and we talked about, you know, as much as they were comfortable with sharing, you know, how this story came to them mm -hmm. um, and kind of what was the trigger point for them in terms of when they felt they had enough to go on record with this. And what they shared with the audience was that um, this this came to them through their long reporting on the CSU system as a whole. They had done a series of stories about, um, you know, conflicts, procedures, you know, issues within the um, the California State University system and specifically the uneven discipline that has been meted out across the various campuses. And it was through that reporting, Robert Lopez was clear to point out that they had done 14 stories before SDSU, before they reported anything on SDSU. Um, so it was through that reporting on the system that they caught wind of, of this. Um, and of course, they were very careful not to say exactly how, you know, the information came to them, but it was, you know, broadly through that, um, through those reporting channels that they were able to to grab onto this story. Um, we mentioned that, you know, we understood, we knew, and I'm saying we, both the LA Times and the Union Tribune reporters had heard of this incident early on. We had seen um, things on Twitter you know, accusations on Twitter, et cetera. Um, but we tried to convey to the audience, both the LA Times reporters and the Union Tribune reporters um, and KPBS, we tried to um, convey to the audience that, you know, simply because we know of these things or have heard of these things doesn't mean we've reached that threshold where it is ready to publish. And right, so meaning, and let me just jump in for a second to clarify, absolutely. like, uh, 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 reporting on hearsay and rumors about serious criminal allegations is uh, obviously a difficult threshold to overcome, right? So in this Absolutely. case, there were all sorts of rumors in the community that's different than a responsible 
news story. And, and let me jump in and ask, uh, because uh, this came up a few weeks ago. Um, uh, you know, San Diego State has been under intense criticism because of their uh, uh, timetable of action, basically mm-hmm. their failure to act and, and how they've uh, uh, how they thought about that, how they've rationalized that. Uh, or how they support that is the, what they believed was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, uh, I, I caught wind of like another rumor. Oh, the Union Tribune knew all about this story and they chose not to write the story because the police asked them to. Right. Uh, yeah. Could you talk about uh, how these things work and whether that would ever have happened at the Union Tribune? Yeah. The short answer is absolutely not. I mean, that that rumor that theory is preposterous um and and we did talk about this to some extent um during the panel Mm. and that we tried to explain that you know simply because we have heard this information and uh we had no names neither neither publication had the names you know either of the young woman or the young men who were accused or suspected in this. So there, we didn't have, um, aside from going to the school itself and asking the questions um, and going to university police and, and asking questions there um, without anything specific to hang it on, we didn't have any proof. We didn't have any confirmation is, is basically how I should say it. Um, So we were, you know, part of the process is asking those questions. Part of the problem, part of the process is figuring out how to craft those questions in a way where you'll get answers that will actually take you somewhere. And we had kind of stalled in that regard. You know, we we heard had heard of something, but we didn't have anything concrete that helped us move forward. For the LA Times, they were able to get their hands on some documentation that did help them, you know, surmount that threshold, you mm-hmm. know, where it went from, oh, we heard that this has happened to, oh, now here's the proof and we can move forward. It was the documentation that was kind of the trigger point for them to say, okay, now we've got this and actually can put it in print. So um, kudos to those reporters for for getting that information and nailing it down. Um, so beyond that, um, it was a matter, we talked in the panel about kind of what the focus of the stories really was, because of course we are talking about the incident itself, you know, did a crime happen? What were the, uh, what are the details of that crime that we are comfortable in sharing and reporting? Um, all of that is pertinent to the telling of this story. But what the L.A. Times and the Union Tribune wanted to focus on beyond that was what did SDSU do or not do? And we talked in the panel a bit about why that's important. It's not to say that the the allegations themselves are not important. Of course they are. Uh, But the broader issue here is, you know, we're talking about a large campaign campus with a large student body, you know, who knew what, when, and what was shared with that student body, and what action was or was not taken. Um, And 
what the LA Times has taken issue with uh, and reported we have as well is the inconsistent statements that we that both publications, reporters from both publications have received from the university. Um, you know, in terms of what they did know, what they didn't know, mm-hmm. the extent of what they knew, all of all of those details. So quite a bit of our panel focused on that. Um, and the difficulties and challenges of getting that information cleared up from yep. the university. Yep. Yep. Laura Sacallo, I wanted to ask you, uh, and I'll give you a chance to ask a question as well in a moment, but uh, first, I just wanted to revisit this ethical issue. To Just uh, for our listeners, what, what, what are the ethical uh, uh, implications around this idea that reporters would be in league with the police in helping to solve crime? Uh, isn't isn't solving crime a uh, socially good outcome? Or wh- why uh, why did Dana react that way when I when I uh, uh, floated this theory that the reason the story didn't come out sooner was that the UT was working with the police? Uh, enlighten me on that. Well, I, I would say Dana reacted that way because Dana is a good journalist, and <laughs> most good journalists would react that same way. Solving crime is uh, an important facet. Uh, you know, it is not our job, though. That is the job of law enforcement. And we would never be in league and, uh, you know, essentially being a partner of law enforcement in that in that way. And we would not um, take direction or, um, you know, see ourselves as an arm of law enforcement in that way. That that is not our role. That's not our obligation. Our obligation is to report the truth. Right. That's, so that's why I just wanted to point out why that's such a um, uh, uh, upsetting and serious allegation against our journalists is that the, the our journalists at the UT do, are not in league with the police. Correct. Our job uh, requires that we act independently in pursuit of the truth on behalf of the community. And in fact, uh, that's really uh, the underlying question in the criticism of the university. Did the university subordinate their obligations to stand up for their student body uh, to law enforcement? Did they become an agent of the police prioritizing uh, the police's work and setting aside uh, the, uh, the interests of victims and the interests of the rest of the university community, um, putting those things second. So that's the exact criticism of the university. So to have this little idea that somehow the UT did that floated out seems uh, particularly poisonous to me. Um, right, but okay, right. let's get let's get back to the uh, the story at hand. You you um, uh, had some questions for Dana and Terry about the story and about their interactions with the public uh, this weekend. Well, I I was interested from that panel discussion uh, what what the audience's interest was, the kinds of questions that that you heard. I I think one of the unique facets of that festival was this personal exposure. You know, the audience members had a chance to talk with the journalists and to, to pose questions. So I was I was just interested in what you heard from the audience and the kinds of questions that they were posing to the panel. 
Well, that's certainly one of the questions that I had going into this endeavor. <laughs> you know, there we are talking about this very controversial case and, you know, talking specifically about the criticism that has been directed at SDSU for, you know, a very long time. <laughs> and then there we are right there at SDSU <laughs> talking about all these things. So I wasn't really sure, you know, what kinds of questions we would get. I wasn't really sure who would be in the audience. You know, we were prepared to um, answer whatever questions came our way, but that certainly was something I was thinking about in the days leading up to the event itself. To answer your question, though, uh, so it, it seemed that we got a lot of questions kind of about the procedure, about, you know, how we reported things. It kind of There were questions about the journalism, which we, of course, were able to answer, you know, have we asked the police department about X? Have we asked San Diego State University about Y? Uh, these were the kinds of questions uh, that we got mostly. Um, there was a question um, from a person there employed with the university who he asked a question about, uh, and maybe Terry's memory is a little better than mine on this, um, but about it, the minutes from an academic Senate Senate meeting where um, Adela, President Adela De La Torre was questioned. Uh, and uh, there was a question there, please, Terry, correct me if I'm wrong, about whether we were aware of that document and whether we had, um, you know, reported on it. And an answer came straight away from Robert Lopez from the LA Times saying, of course, yes, we are aware of that document. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Terry, were you going to weigh in? No, I was going to say that's exactly what he said. They, he was he was very aware of of it and and uh, um they are very we are all very aware of of all of the documents and trying very very hard to to stay on top of of what is out there but just for those of us who aren't aware what is this document and what was interesting about it well that's the thing is that um it didn't contain anything that was particularly enlightening beyond what we had already reported. Um, so it was a questioning by the academic Senate of Adela De La Torre about, you know, again, what she knew when the university's reaction, et cetera. And these were all things that we had reported. Um, I believe it was Gary Robbins who had reported on a, uh, on appearance that she made in front of associated students. Um, and, you know, so we were there in the room and heard her speak at, at that point. Um, so there was nothing particularly enlightening about this document, but the person in the audience wanted to know if we were aware of it. And of course we are. Um, there were other questions about, um, uh, oh, oh, it, it, speaking to what we have asked for from the university, as well as from police and from the district attorney's office. Um, we tried on the panel to, um, you know, the LA Times and the Union Tribune have been working together to put out a whole slew of um, 
public records requests um, for a variety of topics. And so we kind of went through a list of, of some of those things. I'm sorry that list is not top of mind for me right now, but we tried to explain uh, to the audience all the different requests that are pending right now. And we talked a bit about some of the frustration that we've been going through in terms of getting responses from SDSU. Um, you know, understanding that we have asked them for a lot of stuff, um, we still do want that information to come in as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, we, we are getting some responses where it's kind of like, you know, not exactly the answer to the question that we asked, that sort of thing. So we had a bit of discussion about the frustrations that are inherent in that. I don't know if you want me to go on. <laughs> no, I think that I think that uh, it really gives us a sense of that kind of interaction. So I think we should wrap up. I mean, it sounds to me like things uh, yet to come on this story, Dana. We're we're waiting to hear from the district attorney's office. We're awaiting next steps on uh, the civil uh, complaint. Um, uh, yes, I think there is some internal work being done by the university. Um, yes. um, anything else that we should be looking for to, to know next? Well, Terry, maybe you can speak to kind of, you know, how we've been, uh, waiting for the district attorney's office and, you know, what that process has been like. Right there. So, so, uh, you are correct. There are three really, uh, paths here. There's the university's own investigation. There's the um, civil suit that the young woman has filed. And then there is whether or not there will be criminal charges filed. Um, and on that third one, we are waiting to see what the district attorney will decide, what route they will go. Um, and so we are in constant contact <laughs> <laughs> with the district attorney's office trying to figure out um, what may or may not happen. And when. Definitely, and when. <laughs> And, and but aren't there internal probes or, or in some way in this apparatus around the university, around Title IX? Um, I guess I'm not somebody who really has a, a detailed understanding of all that. So the university is looking into um, it's doing its own, um, and, you know, Title IX inspired sort of investigation. Um, because this is just off campus um, and it doesn't involve the, the victim is not a student. So it in spirit, they're looking at it with Title IX eyes um, and they're doing that internal investigation to see, you know, what happened. There is still the the none of the three people who have been named are at the university any longer. So should there be any sort of um, discipline? that would come down, uh, they wouldn't be, they're not part of the university. So the university couldn't do anything in that, in that vein. Um, there is of course the civil suit, which is um, working its way through. And then, then the, the criminal investigation. And one of the things that we pointed out to the audience was, um, you know, I, I, I covered courts for a long time. So has Terry, um, but I don't pretend to be a, a, legal expert. Um, but it it is rather unusual for the civil suit to come before any word of criminal charges, whether, you know, they are or are not going to pursue criminal charges in this case. And so um, that's a bit of a wrinkle that, uh, it, you know, in the in the progress of this case that um, was unusual. 
and a little bit of a curveball. Um, you know, three people were named in that suit. Um, we were told early on that five people were involved. So we don't know who those other two people are. There are my point here is that there are a lot of unanswered questions um, swirling around this entire event. And we're trying to get answers to as many of those questions as we possibly can. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have opportunity to revisit this uh, as the year unwinds. So uh, thank you. Uh, thank you all for uh, for that conversation. Uh, back to you, Luis. Thank you, Jeff, Laura, Dana, and Terry. To read more on this story, log on to our website, sandiegouniontribune.com. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism.